I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures 24, which came out August 1994. Ninjas. That's it. That's the whole intro. That, that's all you do. If you need any more than that, then like, I, I don't know how to convince you of anything. <laughs> like, I'm not a salesman, but it's just, come on. Before we talk about Batman Adventures, let's check out the other Bat books that were on the stands, all of which were tie-ins for Zero Hour, the main event going on in the DC Universe. It's a crisis in time, Jason. We got no time left. We got zero hours left. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the hours we have left and and how little we have of them at the very end of this podcast. So no two-read pile. We're just going to get into us versus the psychic damage that is zero hour for versus the 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 clearest most non-confusing story ever told which is Oof. zero hour a crisis Oof. in time so all you have to know about these mainline uh bat books that we're going to cover is that time is all wimbly wombly so like <laughs> you know there's characters showing up that shouldn't be there like stuff from history honestly with all the zero, we'll get into the zero hour stuff at the end of the pod, but all the extra stuff outside of zero hour, when like the writer got a hold of it and and was like, oh, we're going to mess with time. Like, I'm going to make this really fun issue for like the regular issues. The tie ins yeah. all seemed like that's where the fun was. Yeah, yeah. From what I'm sure we'll get into it more, but from the the handful of the tie-in issues of like various books, they they did seem fun. Yeah, you're right. It did seem like the writer was like, "Fuck with time." Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's Took do the ball it. and ran with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're never gonna let me do do this again. <laughs> right. Batman Five Eleven was written by Doug Munch and penciled by Mike Manley. Joker's on the loose, and he has Batman and Robin hot on his tail, only to be apprehended by dot dot dot. Batgirl who's walking with her legs. (laughs) Batman and Tim Drake Robin in their shock let Joker get away. Instead of having Batgirl shot during the killing joke, police commissioner Gordon was shot and killed. Dick Grayson as Robin, not Nightwing, is following their adventures from the rooftops but staying in the shadows. Batman, Tim Drake, and Batgirl go to visit Gordon's grave to confirm the kill. Batgirl tells Batman that Harvey Dent is the new commissioner and wants vigilantes stopped cold. Harvey never became Two-Face in this timeline, and it's heavily insinuated that Barbara and Bruce have more than just a working relationship. We're talking bat-on-bat love. Batman goes to Dent's office to talk to him, but finds Jim Gordon's corpse in his place, dug up by the Joker. Dent is tied up with a gun to his head and is being held hostage, Joker threatens to blow off, quote, half of his face. Batman subdues him and and calms the whole situation. Batman flips over the tied up and knocked out Harvey Dent only to find he's Two-Face again. And then Jim is alive. Harvey Dent disappears from the floor in the office. Batman seemingly back to his regular timeline, but notices Batgirl still zipping across the city. Batgirl actually stopped by Oracle's place. It disturbed the hell out of Oracle. Oracle and Batman start putting together that some sort of zero hour crisis in time is happening. Batman meets with Superman to talk about what to do. The start of the issue, 
of this issue and the continued meeting between Batman and Superman are both contained in zero hour issue four. Jason, that is zero hour issue four, which is the first zero hour because it counts down from four to zero mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make things extra confusing. What did you think of Batman 511, Jason? As, as we previously stated, I thought the fun that the main writer was having did a lot for the book. And, and it seemed like if, if it could have been like a ongoing storyline within the book itself instead of like a big event, you know, it might yeah. have been a, could have been a, a really bit fun. more fun. Because, yeah. because the emotion, the emotional tension of I forget if it happened in this book or the other uh, main bat book, but the tension of like Bruce calling Oracle and being like, you know, yeah, we met a barber from a different universe and she can walk and Oracle being like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you can walk again. And he just goes goodbye because like Batman's right, like, right. I don't yeah. want that fucking conversation. I Ooh. I get to walk, Ooh. you know, because because obviously the writers or fans or whoever was like. Okay, great. Bruce is back. What about Barbara, guys? Kind of like how you mentioned right, uh, right. And, uh, uh, at some point in our Night's Quest, Night's End, like, you know, like, I, I, I liked it in that fashion. But like, uh, other than the fun they were having with the plot of Zero Hour, it seemed like that old sitcom trope of like, oh, uh, you know, you're moving from the neighborhood into new city. Oh, let's go visit. You know what I mean? And it's right, like, right. It was a little... A little hokey at times and yeah i wish that there was more i don't see i was thinking about this while we were while i was combing over i i read so much goddamn zero hour jason <laughs> but like i was thinking about like how do you make a zero hour issue where you have other timelines interconnect in a way that's like fun time and not just characters being like tell me about your your timeline oh in this timeline this happened that's crazy and then that's like it and that's kind of what we have with batman 511 which is just like other than batgirl being back and that being like a treat for fans there's not really anything here yeah and and it's also such a tease too because like you know like you know as a fan if you're you're, even if you've been reading comics for just a year at this point and reading this book you're like yeah this batgirl that's not oracle ain't ain't sticking around for long nope you know what i mean so it's just so so you know right away so like the the drama to it right away is so deflated yeah you know and that's a lot of zero hour stuff. I felt like it was like, yeah. Oh, we're going to try to do a fun thing. And if that fun doesn't come across, if that, like, like I'll talk about, we did, there's a Robin issue where Dick Grayson as Robin and Jason Todd as Robin, like team up together, which is like in your head, you're like, Oh, that's going to be a fun time. But in, in practice, it was just like, a by the number superhero issue where just two Robins take down a guy and it's like, eh, eh, I don't know. It could, we could have had a, we could have had more fun in here. I feel like I don't think Batman five eleven is the worst zero hour tie in, but it's definitely not the best zero hour tie in. And we'll talk about my, my favorite zero hour tie ins were, um, green arrow and, uh, the adventures of Superman. But we're, we're going to talk about those in our zero hour block at the end of the episode, because yeah. we still have <clears throat> Detective Comics 678 to talk about. Oh, yeah. Detective Comics 678, written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by Graham Nolan. After a har- hard night of Batmaning, 
Bruce comes back to the Wayne Manor only to hear voices in his home. He finds his mother and father both alive and visibly upset. They were just at the movies, and they took a shortcut through Crime Alley. Young child Bruce Wayne was shot by their mugger. Bruce, looking to jump into action and avenge the violence in Crime Alley that fateful night, turns to the Batcave only to find it's disappeared. He's truly 30-ish years in his past. It's a zero-hour crisis in time. He hops in his parents' car, and he hits the local spots that Joe Chill hangs out. Joe Chill was the owner of the gun that killed his parents in his timeline. Unable to solve it then, he's on a rampage to solve it now, only to find that although Joe was the owner of the gun, he had sold it for drugs. The killer is now anonymous and at large. Batman eventually catches the gaze of the local police and flees to Wayne Manor. Once arriving, he notices that he is unfortunately back in his own timeline, ripped away from his parents yet again. Jason, what do you think of Detective Comics 678? I, I enjoyed it pretty well, I think, out of pretty much most of the uh, Zero Hour tie-ins, because I, yeah, I like how... Yeah, this one hit a little harder for sure. This one was a little yeah. better. It's a great plot idea from Chuck Dixon of like, yeah. oh, OK, well, we're going to give Batman what he always wanted because he always kind of wished that he died instead of his parents because like, you know, the it's grieving. Right. It's the, the loss of uh, of a loved one. Like, sure. you, you, you don't want to feel that grief. And so he does the only thing that he th- he's like, oh, well, I'll avenge myself in this time. Like, like he knows what's right. going on. Like, he knows that, like, there's something fucking crazy happening. But he's like, but it's like, well, this how is- do you how do you not? Like, if you're Batman, how do you, like, even though you're like, this may not be real, this, I'm in a zero hour crisis in time, like, <laughs> even, even if you have that internal cog in the back of your head, you're still like, your whole brain is screaming to be like, like, catch Joe Chill and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, we'll, 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 yeah, like, we'll bring it up, I'll bring it up more in the zero hour block, but like, it's sort of the same thing of uh, the way uh, Batgirl and some other characters act. Uh, within certain points in, in zero hour uh but yeah. but yeah but I, but i did like like showing the futility of it and also the the, the great fucking scene where alfred uh pulls a gun on him oh yeah he's like who yeah. the fuck are you that, i didn't put that in the synopsis yeah when he's like out of the cave and he's like what's going on and alfred's like who the fuck are you get the fuck out of here why are you dressed as a bat like yeah but and then but, but then Bruce, how like bruce like yeah talks to alfred and he's like only you and I would know this. I'm Bruce Wayne, you know, it's, and I, that moment was really great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how Alfred still remains like, I love, uh, I do love it when writers treat Alfred, I think sort of as he should be, which is like the conscience of the Batman book. Like he's Jiminy Cricket, you know, yeah, like, like right. sure, sure. He's like, sure. He has a history of like capable, badass fucking soldier or whatever, but like, it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the person who's like, I've seen some shit, but also like, no matter what you can rely on me. Oh, there's a crisis in time, whatever you can rely on me. Like he hears yeah. a story and he like, he's like, huh, that's we weird. And, and it, and you know, and it stops him because you can rely on Alfred out of anybody else in the DC universe to do the right thing. Right. You exactly. Know? Exactly. It just, it provided such a great emotional punch to it too and like the ending of it provided such a great like because like he knew it wasn't real but he a part of him really kind of hoped that it was and he gets back to the broken down way manner and he's like fuck yeah you know like he he just can't escape it you you know i i I just yeah i love the um 
it's almost like fatalism, you know, it's almost like a fatalist kind of philosophical view of it of like sure no matter how hard you try and how powerful you are it's like yeah, nah, man right, your parents right. are still dead and you're still this fucked up in the head dude yeah, like it, yeah you can't, you can't punch your way out of this one you know can't punch like, your way out of this one yeah speaking of alfred shadow of the bat 31 written by alan grant and pencils by brent blevins we get a recap about how alfred left because bruce was being an absolute jerk to him but what's this Sandwiches waiting in the back cave. Is Alfred back? A butler attacks Tim Drake, claiming he's an imposter. This portly, golden age Alfred was of course expecting Dick Grayson, not Tim Drake. In the golden age, he was an aspirational detective of his own, often reading How to Be an, a Detective book. They work out that he's out of his own time, just like the walking around Batgirl. Batman and Robin go to work a case about a guy who is hypno-drugging a bunch of goons in order to them be hyper-violent. Batman catches up with them, busts up the goons, but Batman and Robin both get a dart in the neck. Gotta warn the oh, oops, dart in your neck. By the head goon, and lose control of themselves because of the hypno-drug. They're led to the roof where they'll presumably be told to jump. However, the aspirational detective and portly Alfred is there in the nick of time to save them. Kind of. He fumbles to the rescue, but with a gun to Alfred's head, Bruce summons the will to overcome the hypnodrug and busts up the bad guy before portly Alfred disappears back in his own timeline. Yeah. Jason, did you read uh, uh, Shadow of the Bat 31? Do you like it? No, nah, I, I, I did not get to Shadow. Sh Shadow of the Bat was a casualty in my very own zero hour crisis in time reading even the bits of that series <laughs> made me feel like I was on some very powerful drugs. So uh, yeah, I didn't, this, I, it, um, it sounds like I missed a fun one though. I, I, I honestly didn't know was, that Alfred used to be kind of like fat and like an aspirational. Yeah. Uh, so he's detective, not only is like he a, like pudgy and an aspirational detective, but he's also incredibly clumsy. Like he, there's a moment where he like walks into the bat cave with like, a tray with like a, a pot of coffee and like sandwiches and stuff. And he just like chucks it onto the back computer. <laughs> oh, and they're like, God. ah, don't worry about it, Alfred. It's fine. We're going to go catch these hypno drugging guys. Like it's, That's, it's cool. <laughs> that is, that, that is really funny that, uh, the, the character started off his, his life as an incompetent, uh, you know, comic relief sidekick. Right. Before yeah. turning into like hyper competent, uh, conscience you know right of, yeah of like yeah the, yeah the, the entire world you know huge character shift and uh i got the i get the impression that alan grant was very excited to write this because this alfred like really just chews the scenery in like every single scene <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds it's like a lot of fun well it sounds like you know like like we were saying about like you know he got like oh word i can I, I can bring back clumsy Alfred. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna bring back clumsy Alfred. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. I finally have an excuse. I right, finally right. have an excuse. That's great. That's huh. That sounds. That sounds. I mean, you know, hey kids, it's comics. You gotta have fun with it. You gotta know? have fun with like, it. All right, moving right along. Let's step out of our own crisis in time, Jason, <laughs> and step in to the Batman Adventures issue twenty four. Batman Adventures 24, written by Kelly Puckett, penciled by Mike Parabek, inked by Rick Burchett, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Richard Starkings of Comic Craft, 
Edited by Scott Peterson with an assist from Varen Vincenzo, Darren Vincenzo. The cover features Batman with a sword. There's two other swords in the immediate foreground. They are reflecting the ninjas that he is about to fight. Mm. It's called Grave Obligations, Act One, Brother's Keeper. It opens with a jewelry store heist. Guys like smashing the window and Batman's right behind him. He takes a swing at Batman. Batman dodges. Batman blocks another swing. He takes one on the chin. He chases the guy down the alley. Like it's typical like Batman stopping a mugger kind of or vandalism thing. Yeah. Until he gets around the corner from the alley and he finds on Finger and Robinson, of course, Bill Finger reference there. Uh, I absolutely, absolutely love dear. that. The, the, yeah. the, the true, the true creator. Fuck Bob Kane. Bill Finger yeah. is the true creator of Batman and all the best villains. So after coming around the alleyway, the, the guy he was chasing is just gone. He doesn't know, like, what the heck's going on. And we hey, he over. pulled a me. What's that? I said, hey, he pulled a me. How do you <laughs> other people can do that? Shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, it's zero hour. He disappeared into time. Oh, no, I thought in my head, like, I think Batman was like, hey, that's copyright infringement. Yeah, right, right. That's kind of my whole shtick. Uh, Yeah. So we turn the page and we uh, find the mugging uniform on the on a bed and a woman, a ninja praying to and talking to uh, her brother who is trying. She's trying to avenge his death. She blames Batman for the death of her brother. And uh, before Another ninjas like crashes into the window. Two ninjas crash into the window. They're throwing daggers at her. She's blocking the daggers. And then eventually the fighting gets gets to a, a standstill. She beats beats them both up and she's like, talk while you still can. And they were sent as a warning. And if you try to kill the Batman, you will be dealt with uh, and hunted down and killed. And she was like, I was aware of this already. And then she, the guy's like, well, the honor of vengeance will fall to Kano. And she's like, get out, take it with you. And she looks at Kano is, I guess, her husband or lover or whatever. Lovers in the nighttime, Jason. I'm not really sure. Let's not put labels on things. Jason, let's yeah, not put labels on things. Why does everything got to have labels, man? They're ninjas, okay? Like, you don't know their culture. You don't yeah, know the ninja exactly. culture. It's secret. How ninjas love. Yeah, you don't know how they love. <laughs> how, does, how does a ninja love? Silently but effectively. <laughs> so we're left with her looking at the locket and the looming portrait of her brother in the background. And she's like kind of like stuck between like her lover and the vengeance of her brother. That brings us into act two. Jason, take us into act two. From Tokyo with death, which every yeah. every act in the, the the book begins, of course, big action. Act two begins with Batman just just fucking haymaker. Yeah. Against some robber with the, you know, classic bag of money, money flying everywhere. Right. As always, the action is is perfect in this book and is so impactful. Still absolutely loving the little the little title uh, medallions. Yeah, you know, yeah. little title icons now with uh, 
with Richard Starkings really just absolutely fucking killing it. You know, it's just, again, it's just some beautiful pages. We're dropped into Batman stopping some crime, beating the crap out of people. And then... More beating the, the sudden, crap out of people. Yeah, more beating <laughs> the crap out of which again page. is yeah, 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 yeah. It's great, great action. And then the cops show up. He's a little spooked and is just like, yeah, time for me to bat out of here. Um, you know, that panel where the, the cops show up, the uh, colorist doing, doing their best work there, like the high beams of the car casting Batman's oh, yeah. shadow across the, the alleyway. Just a beautiful shot, a beautiful tee up from Parab. Parabek and uh, beautiful colors. Oh yeah, yeah. I love, I love, uh, and I love, yeah. I love how the shadows, like, you know, it's a little, it's a little blue. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not right. this like, it's not this like perfect like dark. I don't, like, I don't know if you know this. Warm headlights, cool shadows. It, it, they uh, work, and they work opposite. Color works opposite that way. Yeah, yeah. The the contrast. Right, right, of, right. Of yeah. That's a, it's a very, it's a very nice touch. And then, you know, we're, we're back at Wayne Manor and Bruce is talking to Alfred and he's trying to puzzle it out because he's like, you know, I, I, I hit this guy. Like I don't, you know, I hit him softly at first and then I started to try to hit him harder and harder and wouldn't go down. And then he's just gone, you know? Yeah. And he's like, am I starting to lose my mind? And then, you know, has an idea and starts writing something down. And I absolutely love this burn from Alfred because Bruce goes, either I'm starting to lose my mind or I'm dealing with a superhuman or of course it seems so obvious now. And while Alfred's pouring teas dryly, congratulations, sir. Admitting one's insanity is the first step on the road to recovery. <laughs> just Alfred got got to get it in there. Just got to just slide a little, yep. just a little stab right in the ribs. Just he's, like he's Batman's conscious, but he's also sassy as hell. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and and Bruce just is just like yeah, whatever, you old bitch. You know, yeah, just you know, right, right. You know, just ask him to put a name in a computer, and you know, no, he's not a psychiatrist. He's like, yeah, I did hear you. I I hear you talking mm-hmm. shit. I hear you talking mm-hmm. shit, Alfred. Bruce hands the info over to Alfred. We cut to a scene with our uh, main ninja who's who's looking for vengeance. And I love all this. I love the character designs of the ninjas and of the characters that are, you know, when they're unmasked, you know, just it, yeah. it's just all so just sharp, uh, uh, sharp lines and angles right. and like heavy black, just all very like official and like uh, 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 kind of m- clean in a menacing way. You yeah. Know? I, I also really enjoyed that. They, the girl seeking vengeance uh, for her brother who was killed, her hair's like all messed up. And like the guy, her, her, you know, husband, lover, whatever ninja in the nighttime, like his, he shows up and he's like clean cut and I thought that was like a nice way to kind of like separate them a little bit. Like he's kind of more with the order. He's trying, he's trying to be like, you know, don't throw your life away over this. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's a 15 year old gripe. And, and, you know, I don't want you to see you die over this. He's clean yeah. cut. He's with the crew. She's going rogue. Her hair's a mess. Uh, it, it's a nice little visual cue. Yeah. And I always love the menacing nature of like, uh, or organized crime people, because this is obviously some Yakuza like, you know, yeah. organization. 
I always love I always love it when organized crime is presented in uh, a business way, you know, in, right, in this like right. because because it's like because it's like, yeah, guys in business suits who make a lot of money, they make some they're sharks, man. Like even the quote unquote legal ones, like they're sharks. Yep. It's like yep. the, the, it's like these guys are just blatantly talking about murder while wearing a custom like, you know, a, a tailored suit and tie. Right. You know, right. but it, but it just makes it so much more like, oh, wow, these guys are powerful because they openly do murder, but they wear Armani suits as well. This is no oh, man. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't want to fuck with someone who's a psycho and also well dressed. Yes. yes. You know, because those are that, that's metic- <laughs> you, you know, there's a meticulous nature behind that. You know, uh, uh, yeah, but but yeah, her her uh, her ninja in the night. I like I, I like that. That should be uh, mm-hmm. may, maybe maybe people should put that in their Tinder profiles if they're just looking for a hookup. Like, I'm just looking for a ninja in the night. <laughs> not looking, looking for anything for a ninja serious. In the night. Yeah, just 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 got to let them know up front, you know. But yeah, he's like he's like, don't don't throw your life away over this. Like, you know, you can't touch Batman and like, you know, like, let me do it. And she's like, no, like, this is my, he's my brother yep. to avenge. And I know the consequences. The very last thing he says to her before leaving through the window, which my God, I do. I love characters that never use a door. Like, <laughs> of course. It's, of course. You know, well, why, why is, why is that every, we as human beings created shelter. We figured out how to make our own shelters like really, really well. And like, Hey, a door, this makes sense. But there's just a part of us that are like, yeah, but if I left through a window all the time, that'd be cool, right? Super dramatic, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, just like, I also really like it, too, because it's like he's a ninja, so he leaves through the window. But it's like, yo, like he's in a suit. Like, he can't take the stairs. Like, yeah, you're going to get your shit on. dirty, man. Yeah. I know. That poor suit. Yeah. Yeah, but he the the last thing he says to her, and I I did really love this really overdramatic melodramatic moment is uh, is very well goodbye Kyoto, uh, Kyoto uh, goodbye Kyoto Neo Neokeo is okay. I'm, this is I'm, this is what I think it is. Man, mm. Kyotai Naoko. Huh? That's Kyotai, what I think it is. Naoto. That sounds a lot better than Naotai, my, my manga. Naoko. Yeah, I think that, that, I th- that's it a, takes it takes a second to process. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like you're at least trying. <laughs> you know, mine didn't sound like I was, even though I was trying. My mine didn't I, sound. I don't like know I was if you trying. noticed. I was avoiding saying the Japanese names in this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, he he says goodbye. I loved you. Yeah, and then like just like. He, final panel just two two withering candles and her with her hand in her face just like fucking devastated right yeah because he's like he's like you're either batman's gonna kill you or the assassins will come and kill you and like i'm charged with that i will kill you it is my duty and he's like i loved you but you're now you're you'd like don't exist basically you're on this path where you're not going to exist yeah, now you're going to be a target. And then uh, smash cut to what looks like an immigration or, well, it's an airport. Uh, everything seems to be in order. Enjoy your stay in Gotham City. And just says that uh, he came to Gotham for quote unquote pleasure. Yeah. And then immediately Alfred has a report that guy, he's found him, whoever Bruce, Bruce was you know, looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, there's a pretty good joke. He's like, have this one bronzed after. 
says he came to Gotham for pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, it'll always be funny to me in 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 fiction and in real life when people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, like New York City, it's just it's just such a shitty place to live," and blah blah blah, and all the grimy. It's like, yes, that's why eight million people live there because it's just awful, terrible it's just to live abs- there. It's just cities don't work, man. That's why the majority of Earth's population lives in cities because they don't work (laughs) and they're awful. Why would anyone want to go there? Oh, but I have to go. Well, I mean, there is a there is a season where everything smells like pee. Oh, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. There's there's a longer conversation and a a wholly different podcast about (laughs) cities and their functions and all of that. But I still just love the like. Welcome to 99% Invisible with Jason Thielbar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm fucking coming for you, Roman Mars. But but yeah, that kind of thing just always like, it's just always so funny to me. It's just like, oh, Gotham is the grimiest, most awful place and like, you know, just piece of shit city. You can, you know, mm-hmm. all this crime. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's like, oh yeah, we can make it in Gotham, you know, because yeah. there's this opportunity. It's like, all right, guys, I know we all contain multitudes, but like, I don't know, maybe like, isn't there like a nice theater you like to go to? Like, come on. So we get into act three canceled deaths. We have Batman soaring through the city. Action again, just immediately. The beginning of every act is just. Batman's grappling through the city. His line gets cut by a throwing star. He's falling to his death. Presumably he grapples again. Uh, swings back into some construction site before he is kicked in the chest through the floor of the construction site onto the next floor. The ninja is on top of him already, throws some more throwing stars at him. Batman manages to punch him through the drywall. And the, and like Batman's leaning through the drywall and he's like, why have you been attacking me? Where's Furukawa? And he's like, what? How do you know that name? And then Batman's hit from behind. And it's not the female ninja who was attacking him. It's the the female ninja hit him from behind. He was she's like Kano, and and she and he's like uh, Nako. Please, you must leave this place. So he loved her so much. She was. He was like, "You're gonna throw your life away if you fight Batman." Like I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna do it. And they have. He's. She's like, "You're gonna kill yourself fighting Batman." And he's like, "Was there any other choice?" Just passionate ninjas in the nighttime jason well i mean yeah hasn't hasn't anybody ever i I had a girlfriend once where i had to do that i had to stop her from doing a a, a murder of vengeance (laughs) because she was good that's just it's It's just what you do this is pretty typical yeah yeah yeah. it's run-of-the-mill relationship stuff you know with everybody on the scene they start to chit chat about the vengeance they're about to try to like enact on each other she's she says that you know batman you killed, you know, my brother. And he's like, I didn't kill anybody. Like, my, that's you know, not my thing, man. That's kind of not my thing, man. They get back to fighting. Batman's fighting the two of them before the master shows up. And he's like, you've disobeyed me. You're going to return to Japan. And uh, the guy's like, accept my apology, apology for their transgressions. They will not trouble you again. And he's like, wait, Furukawa. You believe that you owe me a debt. Cancel it by sparing their lives. So Batman saves the two ninjas who were attacking him. 
Furukawa says that Batman is the only one who's ever beaten him in a fight and the only one who has ever spared his life. So he's like, look, you, if we do this thing, we're done. Like, no more debt. Yeah. And, and Batman's like, yes. And then they're like, wait, why did, why did you do that? Like the, the two ninjas who showed up. He's like, I've sworn to protect all life. Your life, your brother's, everyone's. And he's like, besides, we're not so different. And it's it's Bruce looking at and this is a throwback to like a previous issue of like him and Talia when they went to Paris and they, it's like a picture of them. He's like he's like musing about like his past loves and, and the, the passionate but yet problematic loves <laughs> in his life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so good. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the uh, the kind of bittersweet ending of it you right. know we're back because i because i love the intense uh i've always loved the intense loneliness of batman because even though he has yeah. sidekicks and he has help and he has alfred and he has like he sure. knows that there's not like and that's what i loved about like we talked about it then when we you know covered the issue but like the talia story where like talia was like we can just stop all of this like you're right. rich I'm rich. We don't have to do any of this shit. We can just be normal fucking people. But like, yeah. he, know, and he knows. And then Batman's he, like, Night, nightfall will soon happen. He's just like, we gotta go, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but, but it's like, like it's just. You can get him, you can string him along temporarily away from Batman, but he's always gonna be Batman. He's always gonna have that justice driving him. And it's always yeah. gonna create a wedge in all relationships. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just so like, you know, it's it's the it's the tragic story. It's like, um, like spike in cowboy bebop where like by the end of cowboy bebop, like, you know, spike is like, you know, I have to do this. And like, I, I know I'm going to die and I have to do it. And like the rest of his found family is like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, you don't, <laughs> it's fine. You, yeah. you actually created yeah. something good here. And he's just like, Nope, got it. Got to do it because gotta there's just it. that like, cause he's, right. he's an insane person at the end of the day. And same thing with like Bruce Wayne. It's like, right. You could, you could like, he could walk stop. away at any time and be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of like recovery group for people who need vengeance on their, you know, <laughs> men, men, men will literally tune their bodies to, to peak physical form to beat up criminals instead of going to therapy. Basically, Jason. You yes. Know, that's, that's like, the moral of this issue. <laughs> That's that, that. That's what I took away from it. No, no, yeah. no. It was. It was. I, it was again. I love this I, issue. I, yeah. One of the one of the things that I noticed about this issue was that we start at high action and we end with a conversation. That like. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I don't know if if this was like a conscious choice because obviously this book caters to a, a slightly younger audience or can cater to a slightly younger audience. Yeah. But like. It was just a really nice time to see, like, we resolve things with a conversation instead of resolving things with, and then Batman punched the hell out of everybody, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I also kind of enjoy the stories where um, the writer knows that, like, they don't have to, it's still Batman, Batman's still in the book, but the yeah. story's not really about him. And I really, I really dig those Batman stories too. And when the writer knows that, when the writer knows to just sort of like keep Batman kind of on the periphery, because yeah. the real the real interesting thing isn't uh watching Batman fight this person who wants vengeance on him. The interesting thing is 
why she wants vengeance and the consequences of that vengeance. And Batman's right. just sort of like there to, you know, to have someone to fight who, you know, right. isn't going to be defeated. And like, you're going to wonder how he actually ends up. You know, it's just I don't know. It's just, it's just handled so well. But then also to like kind of bring it back to like it's like, yeah, it's a Batman book. So like we're ending with Bruce Wayne. There's that nice like there's that nice like Columbo like tie up at the end. And then it right. like hard swings back to his currently tragic romantic life <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. like like that, that it's just yeah it's just so god after uh, after the insanity of zero hour we were talking about this before the pod like i saved of the zero hour books that i read i and at one point in the middle of it i was like i gotta read batman adventures and i was like no 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 that's that's an aperitif man that's that's for afterwards and yeah. it was it was so sorely needed Zero Hour, to me, is the entire antithesis to Batman Adventures. Batman Adventures is like, let's tell a nice, clean story, beginning, middle, and end. We're going to have, like, good structure, good characters, a twist at the end. You know, you're going to be, like, having fun the whole time. And Zero Hour, to me, was like, okay, now we're going to do... Every single hero is showing up and we're all going to talk about how we're going to defeat the thing that's happening. And then we're going to go defeat the thing. And but it's going to have grave implications for the universe. And how does this all tie in? And these characters are meeting each other for the first time. And Power Girl's pregnant. Did you know that? And it's you're just like, oh, my God, please just give me a break. Please just give me a break. Yeah. Jason. Yeah. Nick. Let's talk about zero hour. All right. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into it, I just wanted to, other than the comics, I was pulling from a couple of different sources, and I just want to, like, name my sources right up front, because this this whole event is a fucking lot. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. So I just want to say, Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill podcast, uh, Comic Pop on YouTube, I watched their review of zero hour also the review the review of uh armageddon 2001 and war of the gods we'll talk about that stuff also the superman homepage.com had a big faq about zero hour and how it affects and ties into the universe and finally comicbooktreasury.com put together a zero hour reading order with stuff that you need before reading zero hour which was also a big help I, I'm I'm sure I'll I'll get into it more, but uh, and I also think I've made uh, my opinion known about how much I care about continuity and like that kind of thing. Oh, but, we're we're this is like the most continuity that you can ever continuity. Yes, but I will say to um, I it's just a personal thing for me, but I do absolutely love like big shout out to to those people that you mentioned because like you know the. I love it when people do stuff like that because it's like they know that there's just like a small subset of a small subset of a small subset of people that care about right. this as much as they do. But they're like, they really care about it. And so they're like, here, like, here I'm, it is like I'm a lifelong I, I, comics fan. God, love that lifelong comics fan. I owned the the zero hour trade. 
forever ago. I bought it forever ago. It never made a lick of sense to me. <laughs> like I would read it. And even even now with like, you know, thousands of co more comics under my belt and more understanding about the DCU, it's still I still struggled at points. So like those extra resources were a big help in trying to figure everything out. Yeah, that's that, that shit's great. Let's talk about the run up to zero hour. So. Comic book reading order suggested that you need death and return of Superman. I don't think you need all of it. Superman died and eventually came back. You need to know that. And in the meantime, Cyborg Superman was one of four Supermen who replaced him. Cyborg Superman was a bad guy. He and Mongol destroyed Hal Jordan's city in order to build a like mechanized city uh, and uh, with a goal of eventually turning Earth into a war world. Mongol controls war world. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to stop you right at the beginning, but he, he sure. wanted to create a mechanized city. That, yeah. like, that's why they destroyed uh, Hal Jordan's home city. Is yeah, this I, is this the origin? Because I know it's your origin as a professional colorist, but like, is this well one part of your origin? Is this the origin of NYC Mech? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Is 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 this what inspired uh, Ivan? <laughs> no, to, no. I, also, uh, no? that's a deep cut. No one has read NYC Mech. <laughs> I, I, I had, I had to make it though. I had to make it because I, I they're had trying to, to they're trying to turn, <laughs> they're trying to turn Earth into a war world. For anyone who doesn't know, Mongol controls war world. It's like a living battleship sized planet. That he controls oh, with like the headgear in his mind, like like a um oh man I love that shit like a, um uh like apocalypse right like dark sides apocalypse right. so, so if you I think mean, about like akin, akin so like apocalypse that, right? is like is like cooking hellfire and like m like launching his attacks from apocalypse war world is like basically if you made a planet like a robotic battle station filled with little robotic minions who like do your bidding and it's covered in cannons and you know, it's like the death star kind of uh, okay. Like okay. a werewolf is like the death star. He was going to turn yeah. uh, uh, earth into, into a death star basically. And uh, okay. he gets, he gets stopped. Uh, I forget who stopped. I think it's gotta be Hal Jordan. Cause it was in the, it's like pretty or maybe a Superman. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't read the Death of Superman stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But you need to know that stuff. Yeah. Well, because because I, I I'll get into it more with the you know the differing the the various opinions I have about Zero Hour. But like that is the kind of shit that I do love in these kinds of books where it's just like the most insane like yes. you know because as I've mentioned before, it's like yeah gonna, man, it's comic books. Why why not have it? You know the lead up the lead up stuff. To, to zero hour i actually really yeah. enjoyed uh, oh. uh so in you also need green lantern volume 3 48 to 55 this is when how at the aftermath of the war world stuff where Hal lost his home city and tried to build it back with green lantern constructs he was angry and grieving and once the ring failed he decided to get more power to bring everyone back like that's his goal he makes his way to oa he kills Green Lanterns along the way. They try to stop him. He basically murders the entire Green Lantern Corps. He takes their rings. He gets there. Kilowog tries to stop him, who's like his mentor as a Green Lantern. He murders Kilowog. Sinestros tries to stop him, like a last-ditch effort from the Oa Guardians 
to be like, hey, you got to stop. You're like the only one who's capable. Like, here's a Green Lantern ring, Sinestro suit up. Like, you're in there, buddy. Even though he's a villain. Yeah, desperate times. Yeah, yeah, desperate times. Uh, Hal and Sinestro go toe to toe, kill Sinestro. And then he enters the main power battery. This is the source of the Green Lantern energy. It's what the Guardians guard on Oa. The Guardians decide that they're going to um, sacrifice themselves to destroy the main power battery and, and Hal Jordan inside it. They all die except for one who survives. The Green Lantern power battery explodes. Hal Jordan emerges as Parallax, a like very powerful foe, basically. So you need to know Parallax, but the fact that I told you that you need to know Parallax kind of spoils the ending of Zero Hour. Whatever. Just put it in your mind. Um, yeah. With the Green Lantern Corps gone, the last remaining Guardian with his last life force goes to a back alley bar to a Nine Inch Nails fan and gives him a ring. Kyle Rayner becomes the only Green Lantern left other than Alan Scott, who is the original Green Lantern, but not really tied to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, hey, man, I just, you know, the fragile and with teeth are amazing fucking records. So, like, I mean, could have done worse, right? Could have done worse. Could have done could, worse could, than finding a Nine Inch Nails fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could 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 have been like a, you know, I don't know, some some dude in a 73 really, t-shirt. I, don't, I, don't, I really I don't enjoyed that. Like, they were like, oh, we got to find we got to find one more. Who should we get? And then it's like the Guardian pops up in a back alley as. Kyle Rayner stumbling at the back of this bar wearing a nine inch nails shirt. And he's like, I, he gets, he gets his ring and he's like, I think my life just got a lot more complicated. <laughs> I, I just, I just love the idea of whoever, wh whether it was the writer's decision or the artist's decision to put him in a nine inch nails t-shirt because like, okay, I have to signal that this is like a young person. I have to right. wonder though, if like maybe the writer or artist is like, yeah, I don't know my, my 22 year old son who barely talks to me loves this band. So I'll, I'll <laughs> throw that fucking t-shirt on it. Uh, we have to keep a steady pace, Jason, because there's so goddamn much of this. Armageddon 2001 was a 1991 event from Archie Goodwin and Dan Jurgens. This is another piece that you'd need. You need this to know who Monarch and Waverider are. The event kicks off in the year 2030. There's a superpowered fascist named Monarch who's controlling all of society and the Earth, uh, ruling it with an iron fist. Our main characters are a rebellious scientist named Matthew Ryder. He remembers being rescued by a hero in the distant year of 1991, but he can't remember which hero rescued him. He's obsessed and inspired by it. He's reading and learning about that era, but it's difficult to do because Monarch, as, as fascists do, like wiped out all the history. So like you, he, he goes to like this old man for uh, black market three and a half inch floppy disks in order to like uh, find out about the past, basically, which is like super endearing. This first issue for Armageddon 2001, it's only two issues. Um, the first issue is incredibly charming. I, I love I love any kind of future story, how you can so easily tell uh, the time it was written because of like the future technology that they think of, which is like better than the technology that they have, obviously, but still like right. kind of closer because well, it's hard because it's hard to imagine. It, you know, well, it's hard to he's imagine also the, I, I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, future tech floppy disks. But he's trying to pull data from 1991. So it kind of makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, but just, but just that, like he would even like have an idea of like right. what it is like being in, being in the year 2030 and like even well, knowing. He has like an, he has like an old computer set up and his wife and kids make fun of him for it. It's like, okay. Okay. So it's, it's established. It's kind that, of like, charming. He's, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like he's into old tech. It's also like dangerous because like this yeah, tech fashion. is outlawed by the yeah, fascists. Yeah. Okay. His, okay. His daughter wants to be a peacemaker, which is like the bootlicking force of monarch. Just absolute terrible society. Yeah. Right? So, 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 so they do, they do make it work. Is, right, is what is right. oh, okay okay yeah that's so that's fun monarch is paranoid about the time stream having conquered earth he's worried that that's the only way he could like possibly lose his power like all fascists he's fucking super paranoid monarch has an odd version of a time machine that turns people into pure tachyon particles and sends them back in time but no one has returned from it so he assumes that like the time machine like either is killing them or not working or something. You're, you're really enjoying the fact that he's just putting people into tachyons. <laughs> well, no, I just, I just, I'm really enjoying the fact that like he's putting people in a machine that disappears them and is still kind of like, I mean, they might be alive back in time or I could. <laughs> well, this is the thing too. It's like, so they've tried this machine out a few times and then like they get sent back in time. Who would ever come back to this fascist world? Like well, they get sent back in time and they'd be like, I'm a being of pure, pure energy. I'm made of tachyons now. Why would I ever go back to my old life? Well, I just I just like the continued use of a thing. So so you build this machine that you think is going to be a time machine. And you're like, all right, I'm going to send people back in time. But you never get proof that it actually fucking works. But you keep <laughs> on using it because you're like, it might be working. I don't See, know. Like, if you were going to this is the thing. If you were going to test if a time machine is working, you send somebody like 10 minutes into the future and then you like play Pokemon on your phone for 10 minutes and then wait for them to show up. Like, that's the idea. That's what you should be doing. But anyway, yeah, anyway, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's fine. Don't worry no, about no, it. Don't I, worry about <laughs> it. So the, the, we have so much to get through, Jason. The hook, the hook here is that Monarch is this fascist being, but he was once a hero. Mm. So he was once one of the myriad su of superheroes that uh, Matthew Ryder knows about. And he's he's uh, uh, scouring this database. He's like, I wonder which one it is, blah, blah, blah. So then Matthew Ryder kind of like, no, he's a scientist. He's, he knows that uh, Monarch's working on Time Machine. And he starts basically like there's all these statues of Monarch that are all around the city. And he just starts like picking a he throws like booze at it and lights it on fire. And he's like, fuck you, Monarch. You know, like I, I'm going to do what I want. And then Monarch shows up. Right. Peacemaker show uh -oh. up. Monarch shows up. <laughs> And Monarch is like, what the hell are you doing? I'm just going to murder you. And uh, the guy, the guy's like, I know you're looking for time travel and I know why you haven't, you haven't gotten it to work. And Monarch's like intrigued, brings him up to his floating station orbiting the earth. And then is like, okay, why isn't time travel work? And Ryder is like, look, you've like created a society where like nobody has any backbone or like any, kind of like fighting spirit or anything like the reason that I will survive the time travel is because I'm an asshole basically <laughs> like he doesn't say that but that's kind of what he's alluding to. he's like I've got that fighting spirit I got that rebellious nature like I have the will to oh. kind of collect and hold on to who I am when you send oh. me back in back in time 
Oh, I got I got excited for a minute because I thought that like, you know, I could be able to survive time travel because I'm an asshole. I mean, then you mentioned all those <laughs> other traits about like a strong will and determination. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, wait, yeah, never yeah. mind. Nope. It's, it's not, it's not only on my resume. Part of it. So, oh, yeah. Um, OK, shit. I knew I did something wrong. Monarch tells Ryder he agrees to put Ryder into the machine, right? Monarch tells Ryder that he knows that uh, Ryder will come back because he's like, you wouldn't want anything to happen to your family. You have two kids. Like if you change the time stream, they won't exist. Like I know that you'll come back for them, but here's the thing, Jason, here's the thing that Monarch does not count on. Ryder doesn't give a shit about his family. (laughs) He explicitly says he explicitly thinks like, Oh yeah, I'm not doing any of that. (laughs) Like they're dead to me. Whatever. We're moving on. Oh, sure. Sure. What a great, so yeah, so he just gets, took care uh, of that right away. Yeah, Ryder gets turned into Tachyons and becomes the hero Wave Rider. He goes back to 1991 in order to investigate and to see who's going to turn into Monarch and hopefully stop his fascist future. So he's intangible. He's made of Tachyons. He can travel through space and time. When he touches somebody, he can see 10 years into their future. This starts popping up in all the annual issues. I read Adventures of Superman Annual 3, Justice League Europe Annual 2, Hawk and Dove Annual 2, and then I read Armageddon 2. He appeared in more annuals, and it's basically just him like popping in, touching a hero, and then you get like a like a all like a potential future for that hero. So it's kind of like a, a nice little framing device for an annual. Because like, like who gives a shit about Wave Rider? But like Yeah possible futures for superman is like kind of neat to play with and in, in like yeah, as yeah. a writer yeah and you have an easy out of it being a possible you know so it doesn't right. have to you know and stick then like, or whatever and then like as you read these wave rider becomes tangible and like chats with superman and is like here's the mission i'm on like i know you're a good guy and like superman's like but by like talking to me aren't you changing the timeline and wave riders like ah beans what did i do (laughs) oh shucks (laughs) it's 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 real ridiculous anyway the point is is that who's monarch that's the hook of the whole the whole event right yeah adventures of superman annual three he touches superman he sees a far future it's not superman he actually touches superman three times because there's three superman annuals that come out with three different potential futures and they kind of explain it away. They're like, oh, Superman's very powerful. So he has like many possible futures that that are open to him, you know, not like Whatever. the rest of you jokers who are tied to fate. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. But I do want to I do want to especially highlight uh, Adventures of Superman Annual 3. It's written by Louise Simonson and uh, drawn by Brian Hitch in 1991. Oh, no shit. And, that, that's an early Brian Hitch, huh? It's a banger issue, dude. Wait, which issue is this? I'm sorry. Let, let me. This is Adventures of Superman Annual 3. Okay. He touches Superman and then he gets this future where Superman like tells Lois that he's Superman. They get married. Lois gets pregnant and the baby kills her. So like Damn. Superman goes into mourning. He's just like in, in just a state of grief. He, he gets off world. You know, he's like, I'm going to I'm just going to take a breath every seven hours from my oxygen chamber and just fly out into space. Maxima picks him up and Maxima tries to, like, seduce him. Basically, she's a princess from a a planet. She's a warrior princess. All she knows is, like, 
fascism and, and violence and stuff like that. And then she sees this as an opportunity. She's also a telepath. So she understands what happened to Superman. She sees this as an opportunity to like seduce him and like make him hers, you know, like they could build a life together. And in order to do that, she like fake softens herself to Superman, like presents herself a little more meekly, like a little more kinder. And then before she knows it, Superman's influence on her has actually made her kinder. And like they kind of like form a relationship by the end. It's kind of like happily ever after. It's super fun. It's super fun. And and the cover, the cover is a banger. The cover is Superman making out with Maxima on the grave of Lois Lane. Like it is bonkers. Let me let me continue with my as you as you're buried in your phone. I'm speaking to no one on this uh, ex- on this video and audio podcast. Ex- ex- excuse me, excuse me, Nick. I'm on my tablet, not my phone. God. Okay. All right. God. All right. We're continuing in with Justice League Europe Annual Two. This one is not included on the app. I had to dig this one up. Our buddy Ziggy described the Justice League at this time, the Bwahaha era of Justice League. All the super, all the. Uh, Justice League books were supposed to be kind of like jokey. So in this one, it's super fun. But the, like the, the whole yeah, point like of the it old, is the, the Keith Geffen and um, yeah, JM. Yeah, uh, Demet- yeah. yeah that, that was a, that was a great era. It's a great era. This one's it's absurd and ridiculous. But the but the main takeaway is that he goes to touch Captain Adam and is stopped like a little cat rubs against him and he gets the cat's future. But the cat had like people either tiny people in it or the cat was broadcasting to people uh, about the justice league it's very stupid and like i'm jumping in in like the middle of the justice league so it's like i don't know what the fuck's going on anyway that's hilarious the, the point is he doesn't touch captain adam and they kind of set up that like oh maybe monarch is captain adam you know so mm-hmm. then the hawk and dove annual is important it, he touches hawk Hawk is uh, present in the in his future in 2030 and Hawk uh, taps into the chaos energy of Hawk and Dove and actually transforms into a giant fucking bird like three stories tall like it, it goes total bonkers. He fights Monarch as this giant bird but then realizes he can't win and then like gets reunited with dove in some capacity. He like touches Hawk touches dove and then touches the both of them. And it turns out that they have a daughter in the future. That is the, the called unity that is both order and chaos combined. And that she is fighting a war against Monarch. So the only one that wave rider was able to eliminate for sure was Hawk Hawk and dove. So of course Monarch is Hawk. <laughs> and let me let me explain to you why, Jason. Okay. It was originally set up to be Captain Adam. They mm. kind of left a few clues for that. And then the solicits for Captain Adam's book ended. So publishers were like, oh, it's definitely Captain Adam, right? And then it got spoiled that it was Captain Adam. So then DC was like, the whole point of this whole thing was like to find out who Monarch is. Yeah, so then it's they were to be a like, big reveal. Yeah. It's supposed to be a big reveal. And then so I was trying to figure out everyone was like, oh, it got spoiled. But this is 1991. And I'm like, how do you spoil like a niche fucking comic book in 1991? It yeah, turns like, out pre, like big internet, like, yeah. Right. 
Turns out there was a 900 number that was widely circulated among comic shops and nerds that would you would call in and you'd pay by minute and the number would just shout spoilers at you. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah. People okay. are great. <laughs> I'm getting to the end of, of 2001. While seeing Captain Adam's future, which he eventually touches Captain Adam in Armageddon 2001 issue two, Captain Adam's future buckwild. So he's trying to fight against this fascist future of 2030, right? And he gets 10 years in the future from 91 into 2001. And it's like crime is legal. Nobody can do anything about gangs. So gangs have just taken over. It's all gangs, Jason. It's always gangs. <laughs> gangs have taken over and it's now like legal for gangs to protect their territory by gunning down other gangs. Nothing the government can do about it. They just sanction it. It's fine. Captain Adam is much older. Like, I don't know why he's like geriatric in this, but he's he's been like, I can't power up anymore because my energy and 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 stuff like fucks up the world. Basically, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's, he's got a problem where he's like, if he powers up like the world suffers. Season's entire family gunned down in a gang battle, right? So then he's like, he's like, oh man, I, I like, I need justice for this. Goes to the police department and they're like, well, it ain't illegal. They should have ducked, you know? And then they're like, he's like, can I see them in the morgue? And the, and the guy's like, the morgue? Nah, morgue's full. They're at the dump. We just chucked their bodies into the dump. And Captain Adam's like freaking out, you know? So he uses his powers in this possible future. And then apparently Captain Adam releasing his powers in the possible future was opened up enough of a window for Monarch to climb back into 1991. Jason, don't think about this. Don't think that's important. Don't do not think about this. So he jumps back into 1991. Right. So then Wave Rider's like, oh, shit, Monarch, you know, and then like the Justice League kind of fight him off a little bit. And he's like, oh, what does this mean for the Armageddon that's supposed to happen in 2001? So then Monarch we still don't know who he's supposed to be. Monarch steals Dove, steals Hawk, starts stealing some technology, builds a machine that will kill like a bomb, basically that will kill all, all organic life, quote unquote, even Superman kills Dove. And then in, in Hawk's rage, he's like, he's like, yeah, give into that rage. Now you're going to become Monarch. And then Hawk kills Monarch and he's like, I remember this going pretty well for me when I killed myself, kills Monarch, becomes Monarch, and then like follows Monarch's directions in order to just like nuke the fucking planet of heroes, calls all the heroes. He's and this is the other thing. He's like, hey, everybody gather in a convenient location. And then everybody does for some reason. Just just call it just conference call. Just like, hey, right, you got to. Right. Just right. messaging, just messaging, uh, the, you know, Superman on teams being like, hey, you got, oh you, got God. you got, you got time for a quick chat, time hey, for a quick speaking chat. Of, speaking of what you got time for, Batman in the background of one panel, Huntress gets a speaking line. Please care about Huntress. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I love we're still we're still on the please care about Huntress watch. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to kill everyone. Uh, Captain Adam is a mess because he just experienced his whole family being violently murdered in the, in the future, you know? So yeah. they're like, captain, get out of here. You scamp. Like you're not in any condition. Like 
we got this thing. We've got Green Lanterns. We, Huntress is here. It'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, we so, got the big guns. Bring it in, Huntress. Monarch brings the bomb to the park. Uh, he can teleport and teleport objects. And he's like, I'm going to kill everybody, you know, basically. And then they were like, please don't. And then he sets off the bomb and then Captain Adam grabs him and then like tries to suck the energy in because that's something a Captain Adam can do. He's like energy. Yeah. Creature, whatever. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So he absorbs the energy, saves everyone. But then him and and, uh, Monarch get chucked in time to the prehistoric ages. So Captain Adam's book is no longer being published like retailers thought. And, you know, they're chucked back in time. Jason, at the same time that this has happened, and this is a total diversion from what I read a lot of comic books, Jason. I have a lot of information. I'm I'm coked up and I'm on a I'm on a roll right now. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to I was going to say you're pretty you're pretty delirious. I'm just like, this is 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 like, you know, I've currently I've currently cornered someone at a party and they cannot escape me right now. That's what this is. (laughs) Except I'm actually enjoying this. I'm like, yes. So Please while this on. is happening, to give you to give you a, a look in on the state of DC Comics in 1991, this wasn't going well because the reveal got spoiled and like it was a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of capped the legs out of the entire thing because like the whole point was that it the only like thing that you could count on was that it wasn't Hawker Dove out of like all of the annuals that got read. Like that was the one constant. So then yeah. it was like. They just changed it to change it to the least possible thing it could be. And then readers were like, what the hell is this? You know, which, yeah, I get, I get it. But it's also mm. like, I did kind of enjoy the story. I did kind of like Wave Rider. The annuals were fun. I mean, take the win, man. Like, it's fine. Well, just just make well, it, just make it Captain Marvel or uh, Captain Adam and like be done with it, you know? Well, yeah, I think, I think that's something that people, uh, uh, that that writers of any genre make the mistake of when there's like a mystery or a reveal that they don't want spoiled. And it's like they the the misunderstanding is that it's not the surprise that readers enjoy. Like a good mystery story is one that someone can somewhat solve. You know what I mean? Right. And like right. even if the like if someone who's a fan of mystery novels or, like or yeah, they love the, the they Columbo love being format. right. Huh? The Columbo format is like we see who did it immediately. Yeah. How how yeah. will Columbo get there? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like they, they they telegraph in like one of the most, you know, famous unreliable narrator stories. Like they they telegraph that like, you know, there's something fishy going on with Tyler Durden, you know, like yep, in right, Fight Club. Exactly. Like, like both in the book and the movie. It's like, yeah, because like the reveal wasn't supposed to be some like huge secret, like huge like so it was supposed to be sort of shocking, but also you're like Oh yeah, You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. things are making a lot more sense now, kind of. Thing. Yeah, 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 and it's and it's like, yeah, so, that's that's kind of unfortunate that they were like, oh, well, now we have to make it surprising. It's yeah. like, no, it's not the surprise. It's that you planned the party to begin with. The other thing you know? that was happening around this time was um, John Byrne came to DC. He was working on Wonder Woman for a long time at this point. Um, oh, yeah, he. Diana was hitting uh, 50 years. It was a 50 year anniversary for Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we should celebrate Wonder Woman. And they were like, well, oh, cool. We'll reissue some of your old books in trade paperback and like as a celebration. And he's like, well, that celebrates me. It doesn't really celebrate Wonder Woman. Like, 
let's do an event. I want to do an event. And they were like, okay. So he starts putting together an event that will take place in the annuals. DC does not tell him that Armageddon 2001 is going to take place in the annuals. He starts putting together this event like two years in the making. Like he's like really working on this thing. Oh God. Really putting a lot of his time and energy in getting zero help from DC. Karen Berger was the editor who was uh, originally working on this, but then she had a baby. So it got shuffled off to like other people who were not taking delicate care of it. John Byrne starts. He wants to put some characters in it like Donna Troy, because it's a Wonder Woman celebration, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, an yeah. Ev- it's called War of the Gods. It's a Wonder Woman celebration. At the same time, he's also working on the Infinity Gauntlet. He quits the Infinity Gauntlet to focus on uh, War of the Gods, the Wonder Woman story that he's trying to put together because it needs so much more time because DC can't get their fucking shit together. He tries to get like characters like Donna Troy who's like in the Teen Titans book. And they're like, I don't know if I can give you like, first of all, he's receiving no communication from DC. And so he's starting to um, just contact the other writers. Like he's like calling Marv Wolfman and being like, Hey, can I have Donna Troy for like an annual? And, and he's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Armageddon 2001. (laughs) So that's all happening. To say that DC was in a weird space in the early 90s is an understatement. Like it was yeah. just they couldn't they couldn't get it together with either of these events. So oh, we set God. the stage of Dan Jurgens holding on to Monarch and Wave Rider and being like, these guys never got their due. My event got spoiled. War of the Gods was running at the same time. Like it just turned into a clusterfuck. Yeah. We cut to, to 1994. We start doing zero hour. Okay. Now let's now that we're 38 minutes into this call. <laughs> let's start yeah, talking let's, about zero hour. Let, let's let's get let's get into it. For zero hour, I read Showcase 94 number eight, showcase ninety-four number nine, outsiders eleven, detective comics six seventy-six, steel eight, flash ninety-four, zero hour four. Batman 511, Superman the Man of Steel 37, Green Lantern 54, 55, Hawkman 13, Zero Hour 3, Batman Annual 13, Adventures of Superman 516, Action Comics 703, Zero Hour 2, Green Arrow 90, Zero Hour 1, Robin 10, Catwoman 4, Showcase 94 10, and Zero Hour 0. That's what I'm, I read for, for this. And I skipped I'm, books. Like I'm, exa- you read- I'm exhausted by that book, by that book, by that list. I'm exhausted by that list already. You read Valor. I didn't read Valor. There was yeah. some uh, Legion, actually, Legion of Superheroes. I don't really know a whole lot about Legion. Uh, they were featured yeah. kind of prominently in Zero Hour. But like a lot of this event, it's like, hey, if you don't understand these next six panels, don't worry about it because we got six more coming your way for something yeah. else. Oh, God Zero Hour should have been subtitled instead of A Crisis in Time should have been subtitled uh, Exposition Dump because like every other <laughs> fucking page in in the, well, the main this, the, in the, the, ma- in, the main, they, in the main zero hour. OK, like, we're, well, let me let know. me recap oh, yeah. it. I got about a I got about a page to explain zero hour. You, let me recap you've got 2000 it, we'll, words. 
yeah, about, right. about zero hour. I've cornered you at the party and you're going to hear about zero hour. He's, he's, Nick, Nick, at the party, Nick is, you know, hold, hold on, I got some notes on my phone. Jason, I'm on the edge of madness here. <laughs> or the edge of glory. Or the edge of glory. I, mm-hmm. like I said in the beginning, part of the reason why I threw myself into this was because I bought the trade 20 years ago and I was like, I'm, I, I can't figure this out. And then now I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. Like come hell or high water. Oh God, I'm it's your white whale. I didn't realize there's, this was your white whale. There's an excellent panel where, um, and we'll get, we'll get into this, but Monarch becomes extant. He changes again. And uh, there's a panel where he's looking at time unraveling and he's just saying, I don't understand this at all. And I'm like, you and me both, buddy. We're both is on that, the same. Is that one of the okay. ones you sent to me? No, I actually just clipped it uh, this morning. Anyway, uh, I got to take I got to take off my hoodie. I'm getting hot. Oh, he's getting hot. He's getting hot. <laughs> getting hot. All right. So we, we kick off with showcase and then we eventually get into the zero hour books. Here's what I had written for zero hour. Monarch makes a trap for the linear men, especially wave rider wave rider joins the linear men. They live at the vanishing point, which is at the nanosecond before the end of time. They are like they're described. They're linear men, which means that they try to keep the timeline linear. Um, Rip Hunter is part of it. Uh, he's kind of well known because he was in the um, DC Legends of Tomorrow television show for the CW. Oh. He is actually piloting the ship. The ship is called Wave Rider in the in the DC CW show. <laughs> oh, oh so, the ship is called Wave Rider. I thought you said the ship. The ship in the comic book was called Wave Rider, and I was like, No, that's no, a real, that would that's be a, way confusing. So, well, but also, yeah, that would that would have been a real. Um, the song bad company off of the album bad company by the band bad company sort of move, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I do it's respect. Wave Rider all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I do respect. Monarch makes a trap for the linear men kind of like messes with time a little bit, by the way, uh, captain Adam, uh, the 2001 series ended with, uh, captain Adam and linear men, uh, linear men, captain Adam and Monarch being trapped in the prehistoric age. The story continues in Armageddon, the alien agenda, where Monarch and Captain Adam hop through time, stopping alien invasions and trying to stop each other. The alien agenda promised a Captain Adam series at the end of it. That never happened. The Earth is saved, I guess. Uh, Wave Rider joins linear men who are travelers who sit at the edge of time in order to preserve the timeline. Captain Adam eventually rejoins the Justice Society of America once he gets back to his proper time. Monarch is in the wind until zero hour. That's how Armageddon ends. I didn't read the alien agenda stuff. Yeah, you're prob- probably better off. That probably uh, Monarch, saved you. I think that would have sent you completely over it the would edge. Have, it would have been a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Monarch makes a trap for the linear men, specifically Wave Rider. He beats Wave Rider and, and Rick Hunter, and he takes the bracelet device uh, on the linear men's arm that lets them time travel. So I read a couple things about the linear men because I didn't know much about them. They have an arm bracelet that lets them time travel, but they also like need to sacrifice a part of themselves in order to time travel. So they'll like lose a couple fingers and replace them with robot fingers. And then so they have like they can't time travel all the time is what I'm saying. But Wave Rider right. can. That, um, that's 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 pretty interesting, actually. That's a pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. 
He takes the bracelet device. In the fight, Monarch realizes that he's more than Hawk, that he has absorbed Dove's power as well, and he is both order and chaos. He emerges in a magical girl transformation into Extant with a new costume. Uh, the Legion villain Time Trapper, who is seemingly killed as he is standing on the edge of time by a mysterious figure, seemingly Extant, we're supposed to assume that, and that person wants to change time. So you got to kill Time Trapper, I guess. I, <laughs> I don't know. Time gets weird. Batgirl shows up with her legs intact from another timeline. Linear men uh, are monitoring time and noticing that things are disappearing. Flash tries to, I don't know, run at time at nothingness. I did did appreciate, see, I appreciated that because that was in one of the uh, zero hour, uh, what what, what do we call it? That was zero hour issue one. I'm mostly going to be recapping um, or issue four because it counts down. Yeah, 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 because it counts. Down, I'm going to mostly I, I, be recapping zero hour stuff, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff in between. Yeah, because because I did enjoy that, and something I enjoyed about the overall zero hour things because I always re- I did remember zero hour as being like Crisis on Infinite Earth happened because they had a huge problem with their continuity, and they were like they did Crisis yes. in the '80s. They had a big dramatic, bunch of dramatic moments. Uh, Flash died because he ran super fast to save the Earth and like you know help right. turn back time, and it did nothing but cause more fucking problems with their continuity. And so this one was supposed to be another yeah, reset. So and I did enjoy you, the kind of like flash died again, trying to run really fast to, <laughs> yeah. you know, change something so weird about, happening with time. If you think about it like this crisis on infinite earths was an event where they had all these books from acquisitions of like faucet comics and stuff like that, where yeah. they had essentially different worlds. So different worlds were existing multi universes. Um, and they had like, you know, Wonder Woman was still fighting World War Two in some instances. And it's like, well, that's a different that's a different Earth, you know? Yeah. And so what that did was they crunched everything into one Earth, but they still had problems. So they were like, oh, the crisis never ended. Like now we have a crisis of time. Yeah. So this was like kind of a less dramatic reset than Crisis on Infinite Earths. But. We'll get into the after effects afterwards. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flash tries to, I don't know, run at time. He dies. There's an amazing inset panel panel of a literal talking head being like, not again, not another Flash. <laughs> I, yes, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I did audibly laugh at, at that. Batman hooks up with Superman to talk about time wonkiness and Metatron shows up and is like, yo, we got a problem. Rip Hunter and Wave Rider travel to uh, 5,700 AD to fight time again. A young Hal Jordan is there. He has been plucked from the timeline uh, when he was younger in order to fight time. Hal and Rip both get pulled into the the nothingness and is uh, destroyed in a flash. The way that this looks on the page is like there's basically like Kirby crackle that's light blue and it's just white. And it's just coming at you kind of thing. Mm. So a lot of this book's problems, I feel like, are you can't fist fight nothingness, you know, like there's no one to hit. You know what I mean? And like, how do you stop it? And I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that you can't run at it because the flash is fucking dead. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Helen Rips. He tried it. He's the flash. Yeah, right. Hawkman splits into like a million Hawkmen. Metatron and Superman track down Kyle Rayner, the current Green Lantern, using the Green Lantern ring at Metatron's chair. 
They project Superman's call to action to every hero. Metatron tries to recruit Spectre. Spectre is not into it. <laughs> Wave Rider tries to get... Also, I, I'm realizing this now. I apologize mm. for not explaining who every character is. Like, I realize that maybe some of you are not fully immersed into the DC timeline like I am. But like, fuck, man. I, uh, if I have to stop for every character, we're going to be here all day. Well, I, I just want to say this. As someone who knows who a few of these characters are and some of their histories, it's honestly like, just, just, let, it, just let it wash over you. Just yeah. don't, don't even don't even look up a lot these. of the Legion stuff. I had to look like, up because I had no idea who Legion is. And after looking it up, I still don't know who Legion is. <laughs> yeah, just just let it just let it wash over you. Just just accept it. That's all you got. So do. Spectre declines. Wave Rider gets to the JSA um, unless Jay Garrick, the first Flash, know that the current Flash is dead. Wave Rider tries to bring the JSA to the vanishing point at the end of time where the linear men hang out and the current location of Extant. He's trying to like, you know, be like, extends the problem. Let's just take care of him. You know, like, yeah, mount up JSA. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Big bad. Take him out. Everything will be fixed. Dust yeah. off the hands. Easy peasy. Back to Hawkman, yeah. Hawkgirl and Wave Rider uh, get sucked into Hawkman's book instead of instead of staying in the zero hour book. All the Hawkmen uh, in in the Hawkman issue merge into one Hawkman being. They fight like a kaiju-sized hawk god, and then it's like a bunch of Hawkmen fighting this hawk god, and then at the end, um, the current Hawkman... The current Hawkman, by the way, sucks. <laughs> the current <laughs> Hawkman, he's like... He's like... Wears a backpack of, like, metal wings. Like, they tried to make him, like, edgy for the 90s, and he's like... A homeless guy who thinks he's a Hawkman and he wears a backpack with hawk wings and like fights as a Hawkman. So they oh, fixed they that were, shit. They, they were like, but, they were like, so, we're so going to merge all the Hawkmen together and he's going to have real hawk wings. He's going to be Thanagarian. Done deal. Do, do you know where I'm assuming anyway, where they stole that idea from of, of Hawkman being uh, from the uh, actually what from I remember being pretty good Namor series in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, because Namor hadn't had his own book for like a while. And yeah. then like they gave him his own book again. But like he hadn't even been like in the Marvel Universe for a while. And so it begins with him homeless with no memories and just getting the shit kicked out of him all the time. That's kind of cool. He, yeah. And so I wonder if they just sort of like, oh, he's an older hokey character. Let's do that. People seem to like the, you know, the Namor book. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Side note. Hawkman number one of this iteration of hawkman that sucks first first comic i ever picked up very first one bought it in a a hobby shop that had like a spinner rack because it was gold foil and i was like what the hell is this and then i read it and i was like this rules because i'm an idiot child anyway besides the point wave rider sends the hawkman to the he gets sucked into the hawk book they're dealing with that the rest of the jsa pops up at the vanishing point JSA try to fight Extant. He kills a bunch of them. Adam dies. Dr. Fate dies and the helm gets dropped into the time stream. Wildcat and Sandman get aged to the point of geriatric. Alan Scott shields himself with the ring. Um, so he doesn't necessarily age, but the rest of the JSA age. I, I love that. No pun intended. I love the wrinkle of, uh, of them being like, 
well, yeah, these characters are actually 80 years old. And so right, because they're, they're golden age. JSA is golden age heroes. So, yeah, they should be older, not yeah. like, you know, in their spry 35s, you know? Yeah. And I, I thought that was a really interesting kind of nod to like just how old these characters are to like yeah. to bring them to what their real world age would have been. Sure. Sure. You know, DC. Uh, I feel like DC just never knows what to do with the JSA. Like they're killing them off here, but then they become a focal point later. The Starman books takes off. I don't know. We'll get, we can get into that another time. Yeah. yeah. The, I'll, the I'll, I'll let is, you finish. I'll, I'll, I'll let yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. The point is the JSA get aged up to the point where they're geriatric. Yep. Wave Rider finally joins them at the vanishing point after getting out of Hawkman's book, puts the elderly JSA into stasis and tries to get them out of there. Wave Rider confronts Extant before leaving the vanishing point with the slain heroes. And Extant says he's so much more than meets the eye. And he takes off his mask to show he's actually Wave Rider. What the hell's going on? It's shocking. It's shocking. Superman's assembled the heroes at our time. Two New York cities try to merge on top of each other, and they decide to just like throw Metatron's chair at it. And I guess that works. I I love I love absolutely fucking love from the minute uh, Metatron sh- shows up to, to every time he's in a scene. Because for yeah. most of it up to the because his big dramatic story be is that his chair he's been sitting in the whole time has to be sacrificed. Yeah, but I right. also love I love it right at the beginning when he shows up to Darkseid's place and he's like, I am fucking around, man. Like there's just shit going Darkseid's just like, I don't fucking I'm care. Fuck. Yeah, I don't yeah. give a fuck about it's this. the only time Darkseid's in the whole book. One page of him being like, I don't care. Get out of here, Metatron. I fucking love how much do I love dark side? Oh my God. Cause yeah. Why would he say, like, I don't give a shit about this shit. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Superman's assembled heroes of our time to New York cities. They throw Metatron's chair at it. Uh, they get jumped by the team Titans, not the team T E E N T E A M team. Always Titans. hated that. Always hated that. Always fucking hated that. Who are being controlled by extent. They fight. Power Girl is having a baby for some reason. Extent <laughs> shows up uh, to back up the Team Titans. He looks like Hank Hall now, uh, but then saps and seemingly kills Wave Rider turning into him. Saps all the tachyons out of him, gets the tachyon energy, becomes looks like Wave Rider. A mysterious figure picks up Alan Scott's G- Green Lantern ring and then smashes it. Uh, multiple entropy. Entropy is the end of time where the, the void is that's like, you know, popping up all, all over the place and eating yeah, timelines. Yeah, this ain't your daddy's entropy. Multiple entropies are now popping up, but Extent doesn't understand why this is happening. It turns out he was just piggybacking on Hal Jordan's parallax plan. Heroes are disappearing. Finally, Spectre's involved. The mantle of Starman is passed to Starman's son. Batman is ripped apart by time. Extent is fighting hero, the heroes that are left. Wave Rider is back somehow now for some reason, for reasons. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Because guess yeah. what? The Atom shrinks himself down in order to get into Extant's ear and blow him up. But he's a tachyon being now. He doesn't even have an ear. The Atom almost gets de-aged into non-existence before being stopped by Wave Rider. We've now de-aged the Atom to uh, 18, 20 years old, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's no longer an old man. That sticks around as one of the changes from Zero Hour. Um Superman's about to knock out Extent, but then Parallax reveals himself to the heroes by punching out Superman. Parallax monologues about how 
making time with his influence. Everybody can get what they want. He can create an ideal version of time where everything's, everything's all cool, man. Like everybody's chilled out. And He's super uh, chill. We won't have parents telling us when to go to bed, <laughs> do our homework. All right. And like, it'll be really cool. And like, maybe so, I'll have confidence to talk to a girl in this timeline. Like, it'll be great. It'll be great, guys. So speaking of a girl in this timeline, Batgirl's still hanging around. And she's like, she's like, hey, if we reset time the way it is am i gonna exist like what what's gonna happen to me like maybe we maybe we listen to hal jordan you know love that love i i I loved that because i loved i think the thing i loved about uh batgirl voicing that the most is that she was pretty honest about it because she was like okay like i understand that this is a pretty bad situation hal jordan's obviously pretty crazy these other timelines exist but like i want to fucking live like i want to live which is like which is like yeah, of course. Like, I'm I'm just I'm just like so happy that she wasn't like that. Those characters, it was her and a few other characters that. Yeah, a couple other characters I, at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Like, not every like hero character uh, was like, oh, we have to make this sacrifice. We're like, I want to live, man. I want yeah. to live. So I don't want to be I don't want to not exist. I would like to continue to exist, which I, I just everyone, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. That was that was a really good uh, choice. Everyone fights. Spectre gets in the mix. The Spectre seemingly gets hurt. Not sure if this is the moment where James Corrigan isn't the Spectre anymore because the Spectre eventually becomes Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan That's eventually becomes the Spectre. Right. I I'm not totally sure fucking this forgot is, about that. I don't I'm not sure if this is the setup for that or if uh, Jim Corrigan's still the Spectre after this. I'm not I, exactly I think, sure. I think it's a little bit after because I think if if my memory serves correctly about zero hour, which I didn't read when it came out, was that, um, you know, knowing that Hal Jordan was parallax, there were a bunch of people that were still super pissed of like what they did to Hal Jordan, turning him into like not only like, you know, uh, going insane and killing the Green Lantern Corps, but then like becoming like the big bad of an event. And there were right. a lot of people that were so, so angry about it. The like how Jordan becoming Spectre, which I completely forgot about till right now was sort of like them fixing it without like, yeah, let's put how Jordan back in the world, but like he's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. And it's a uh, redemption arc too. Cause Spectre right. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we could talk about the Spectre a little bit. The idea of the Spectre seemingly getting hurt is kind of a big deal because the Spectre is the Spectre's like DC's Ghost Rider. He's he's the idea of vengeance against evil. But so it's like but he like he's a spirit. Yeah. Normally he's not Jim Corrigan. Jim Corrigan uh died and then was like so pissed about like <laughs> dying, basically, that the Spectre's like, yo, you and I, we're gonna hang out. Like yeah. so he's he's like to give it to give an idea of like how powerful the specter is it's like he there was a soul that he wanted to punish because i was reading a little bit of the specter yeah yeah uh there was a soul that he wanted to punish that got reaped out of his fingers and went to heaven and specter was like fuck you heaven open up i want what's mine you know like and fought like an archangel at the gates beat him and got the yeah. soul back. You yeah, know, like that's, of, that's the power of the specter. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite things about the specter as a character and one of my favorite portrayals of him is in uh kingdom come 
everyone read Kingdom Come. It's still a yeah. classic story for a reason. Uh, but is that the like Spectre is so powerful? He's essentially like the right hand of God of like, no, right. the one and yes. only unknowable God. He's the right hand of God. And he's the vengeance the, part of God. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but also knows the secret of creation and all of that. And right. can like, right. And, and is essentially just sort of, yeah, a little mini God himself. So which, the fact which is that always like, really cool. The fact that like how Jordan is parallax is able to just like kind of fight off the specter is, yeah. is a really big deal. Yeah, it's um, supposed to show. Yeah, it's supposed to show that because in the beginning of uh, Zero Hour, when they first try to get Spectre to join up, like he's very much like, I mean, like you would if you were essentially God. He's like, oh, yeah, all this time bullshit. I know that's going on. Eh, whatever. It's uh, yeah. this kind of stuff. Jay, this kind of stuff happens, man. Jay Garrick, after losing another Flash, is like goes to goes to the Spectre. Spectre's part of the JSA. Um, yeah. Goes to the Spectre and is like, doesn't doesn't everything we fought over over the years like mean anything? And the specter's like, no, <laughs> just, <laughs> just like it means nothing, dude. <laughs> well, which, which I actually like. It's like the portrayal it's of like Jay Garrick, human being being yeah. like, we fought alongside each other. And like the right hand of God being like, you were there. Like, OK, yeah, yeah, it's 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 my I love I love portrayals like that of like cosmically powerful beings like like Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen's always a huge example. That's like now a meme. But it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the logical conclusion of like if if I'm Dr. Manhattan and I know I'm going to live until the heat death of the universe, like I, I yeah, it's no longer sad to me that somebody died. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be seeing like right. bigger, than so, that. bigger. Than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed that they had that. Yeah. They had that little bit of like, yeah. Yeah. Who are oh, you, man? <laughs> like. Love the Spectre. Deep, deep yeah. in my heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, Spectre's great, kids. So the fight between uh, the Spectre and Parallax drains Parallax of his power, weakening him to a point where Kyle Rayner is able to, like, hold him. And Green Arrow shoots him with an arrow, shattering, I guess, his power source in his chest. That's not really explained. He just kind of gets hit by an arrow. I'm inferring that it might be a power like he is a lantern at this point kind of thing. yeah I th I, you, there's pr there's probably some detail i'm sure in the run-up to like him killing the green lantern core and like whatever like <sighs> at any rate he just hits yeah. him with an arrow <laughs> yeah I, I still enjoy that though that they and they mentioned it a few times of like of green arrow just being like what the fuck am i even doing here i don't have powers right. why but am i great, even here there's a great moment where like at the end of time, like everything is like destroyed, basically. And yeah. Hal Jordan talks about how like the beginning and end of time are the same. And it's just like a big circle. And he's just like tightened it up so that like it's just the beginning and end of time. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm going to remake it and blah, blah, blah. And and uh, Green Arrow's like, you know, friends with Hal Jordan. Good friends. Good, good friends. Yeah. And yeah. there's a moment where like Kyle Rayner who's the new green lantern. It's like holding him and like uh green arrow looks at him and he's like, Hal and uh parallax looks at him. He's like Ollie. And then he shoots the arrow. Yeah. Yeah. So and good. That moment yeah, was fantastic. It, oh uh, man. Fuck it. You know what? If you take anything away from this and maybe I'm going to fire up the DC app and save a bunch of shit and start reading it. But two of my favorite DC characters ever, ever have always been green arrow and the specter like yeah. there's just the, like green arrow also like 
part of the reason why he's at the end of the universe, and this goes to the DCAU Justice League too. Like Batman recruits Green Arrow for the DCAU Justice League because he's like, you know, we're literal gods orbiting a space station. We need somebody to keep us grounded. You are that mm. guy. And yeah, like, yeah, when when they're at the edge of time and like the parallax is like, I'm going to remake it and we're all going to have Lamborghinis. And like everybody's like, yeah, this sounds good. Like Green Arrow is the one who's like, fucking no. <laughs> like, yeah. what are we talking about? You're not God, you know? Yeah, something I've always loved about Green Arrow, and we talked about this when we were texting about it, is that he's, for as long as I can remember anyway, always been a very open, unabashed socialist. Like, I forgot at what point, I don't know if, I forgot at what point in his story as a character that, like, you know, he was, like, born, he was, like, a rich playboy like Bruce Wayne, but, like, had his political awakening and gave away all his money. (laughs) Because he's like, capitalism is evil. And But he's also, his character, though, has also always been, and I've always enjoyed this about his character, a uh, just a really straightforward guy and 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 really um, honest about his morals, much in the same way that Bruce is. is. And uh, after he kills Hal and like people are, oh, we saved it and like blah, blah, blah. And and he's just like, yeah, I feel great. Feel great, guys. Feel fucking awesome. Just killed. Yeah, yeah, saved all of existence. But I killed my fucking best friend. Like, fuck you. This sucks. Like he walks off, shatters his bow. Is just yeah. like pissed. Yeah. yeah. Which, which uh, is like, which is like, I, I but I appreciate legit. the like, yeah. like that. And that he knows he had to do it, but he's still just like, mm-hmm. man, this sucks. Like, I don't feel good so, about this. Let me, ra- let me quickly wrap up zero hour oh, yeah. and we can talk about some of the tie-ins because the tie-ins were actually much more fun than this yes. exhausting bit. Yes. Uh, the heroes flood, uh, this new hero damage who I, I was not familiar with, uh, with energy, he apparently internalizes energy and then explodes. They hit him with so much energy all at once, like Wave Rider, Superman's eye beams, you know, Kyle Rayner's ring, everybody's shooting damage. They hit him with so much energy, they overload him. He explodes and becomes the Big Bang Theory. Like, he's the Big Bang. Uh, time is remade. Wave Rider dumps everyone back into their pro- proper timelines, closing the time loops. I, so much of this book is like, you're going to explain to me like fucking time loops for like six panels. And I just don't give a shit. Like just, just drop them in, just drop them in. Like Wait, one let's of my, wrap it up. One of my favorite things that they mentioned or had at some point in the, in the zero hour, like miniseries book, they had, I think wave rider mentioned a couple of times where like, cause like other characters were like, Oh, I thought this time thing was fixed or this time thing was fixed. And he's like, no, cause every decision you make can make, it makes an alternate thing. And, but, and there are, there are just a few points where I'm just like, uh, Dan Jurgens was just like, we've tried. Okay. Like we've tried as writers <laughs> over the years to keep this straight, but there's so many books a month and no matter what you fucking do, there's good, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. to me was just like the writer, like, We've tried doing it this way before and it so didn't fucking Wave work. Rider dumped them back into time. The JSA is like, hey, hey, a lot of people died. And then Power Girl is like, I had a baby. The end. Yep. And that's, that that that's quick synopsis, hour. that quick synopsis, which I'm and I'm sorry. What's that for quick? The, it's been an hour. I was going to say, yeah. And, and I'm sorry for the interruptions, but I mean, it is a podcast and that's kind of like oh what it's God, supposed Jason. to be. Uh, yeah, it took an, uh, a bit over an hour. <laughs> so much of this book was beautiful. So dense characters explaining what they're going to do because they need to explain it. 
because yeah. otherwise it's just Green Lantern shooting beams at nothingness. Like so yeah. much of the book is that. And so they have to be like, I'm saying some techno garbage gook about something that we're doing. We're going to try it. Oh my gosh, it worked. Oh my gosh, it didn't like the whole book is like, it's so dense. It's such a dense. It is taxing to read. I know this is in the to read pile, the section that we normally have the to read pile. Yeah. Don't read zero hour. Do not do it. Like listen to us, explain it and then move yeah. on with your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't read zero hour. It, it's the, it's the way that like I've, uh, never watched like um suicide squad but i have listened to the how did this get made and the flop house yes, episodes exactly, about this. Exactly. it's like and i never want to watch suicide i don't yeah, give a I, shit about it up or down i want to be that's perfectly the, clear yeah i want to be perfectly clear this is not a recommendation to read yes, zero hour <laughs> it, 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 it's not it's not you you will be better served sitting through and listening to this yes okay let me uh just real quick a bunch of series ended with zero hour uh, team Titans uh, ended Legion 94. The one that was spelled out L E G I O N valor ended justice league international ended Legion of superheroes got rebooted and Legion turned into rebels 94. I don't know what the difference is between Legion of superheroes and Legion, but whatever it's fine. <sighs> Who knows? Um, we got uh, a bunch of new series launched uh, extreme justice. I have no idea what that is. It's extreme. Uh, new, do- new Doctor Fate that people fucking hated. <laughs> Manhunter. Jason, I don't know if you remember this Doctor Fate. He was like a Doctor Fate that had the onk tattooed on his eye. It was like red. It was a there was a choice. It was a choice, Jason. I I people I were do not happy. Not. I do not. <laughs> I like Doctor Fate and I was like, oh, they're they're rebooting it. I'm current on this stuff in nineteen ninety-four. I was like, maybe yeah. I'll start reading Dr. Fate. And then I looked at it and I was like, I ain't reading that. As I said, I, I never read Zero Hour before, but I remember when the event came out and as I was like, you know, one foot in, one foot out of like superheroes, I just remember like seeing sure. ads for it and stuff. And like, even back then I was thinking in my head, I'm just like, I don't know, Dan Jurgens, he seemed pretty cool and all, but if George Perez ain't drawing it, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're going to drag me in, man. Manhunter got started. I don't know if that's Martian Manhunter or if that's, the Manhunters that the Green Lantern Corps, oh. the Guardians of Oa made before they made the Green Lanterns. They made these android Manhunters to like police yeah. the universe. And then they Maybe. were like, hey, hey, robot police don't really work. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Primal Force started. I don't know what that is. But and Xenobrood started. I don't know what that is. Starman Volume 2, however, started. And that is um, since the JSA aged up. Starman passed on his uh, star. What is it? Star rod or whatever. Yeah. What was um, that? Was that the um, was that the James uh, t- Robinson? Tony yes. Harris. Yes. yes. This is when this is when Starman got really fucking good. Yeah. See, that's the Starman that that's what made me fall. Yeah. See, when that guy. So uh, as I often mention on, on, on the show that like, you know, this was about the time that like I had started like, you know, getting into the the, the weirder like stuff and and also yeah. like more image stuff was kind of more like you know that kind of thing but yeah fucking starman like that starman was part of the entire reason why i even had any like knowledge of uh dc stuff even and even like kind of like weirder uh dc stuff because it gets it's such a great series 
a bunch of stuff got like kind of like soft resetted after zero hour. Uh, the one that I want to highlight is what happened to Batman and his universe, because we read a lot of bat books on this show. The Batman family underwent several subtle personal changes in the new continuity. Batman never caught his parents killer and he doesn't know who the murderer is. Batman was never a member of the Justice League. And finally, Talia never had Bruce's baby. We know that that changes because Damien exists in our current. Like if you pick up bat books right now, Talia's baby Damien exists. Bruce Wayne legally adopted Dick Grayson. I didn't know that that was up in the air. During his days as Robin, Dick Grayson has a traumatic failure during a confrontation with Two-Face. I also didn't know that was up in the air. I thought that was just, you know, set in stone. Catwoman's origin was largely revamped. I think DC realized that it was hard to market Catwoman as an (laughs) ex-hooker. And they were like, we got to smooth the edges a little bit and Eh, kind of make her more family friendly, especially after she was so successful in the movies. Like, let's try to make her, you know... Like I, I get it, I get it, but <sighs> yeah, that happens in Catwoman number zero next month. Uh, when we talk Batman stuff, it's going to be Detective Comics zero, Batman zero, uh, Shadow of the Bat zero, Robin zero, Catwoman zero. It's zero <sighs> month, so oh, it's a God. soft reset of the universe. However, man, it feels like some writers were on board for this thing and some writers were not. Let's talk about some of the tie-ins real briefly because we've already been talking for like an hour 15 on this. Yeah. Um, I read Outsiders book. Yeah. Uh, got canceled. Did... Okay. I jumped in. So I was like, I'm going to read the zero hour tie-in. It's like three of three for a story arc that's already happening. I couldn't even tell if there was any zero hour stuff in it. Like just flipping. I was just like, this is just nonsense to me. I don't know who any of these characters are. It's just pure nonsense. I was like, whatever. I moved on to steel figuring, you know, Superman's got a pretty like high profile in zero hour. The steel book is like, so steel doesn't have a long history to pull from, uh, as far as creatively, uh, he's kind of always been this nearly the same and he's relatively new in the nineties. Uh, so Steel, his zero hour tie in is like he's fighting a bunch of idiots on the Washington Monument in D.C. because he's a, he's that's where he lives, I guess. And a younger version of Steel from the 60s is like on a school trip to D.C. and gets like put into Steel's time. And then it throws a rock at one of the bad guys to like distract them while Steel like clobbered them. And like, that's it. That's the whole zero hour timeline for Steel. I- I got I got I, I, I want to mention real quick about the main zero hour story, though. It was absolutely hilarious to me that they they couldn't by virtue of just like how the story was. But like, honest to God, like Superman and Batman or any of the, like the bigger like superheroes, like, right. They didn't do a whole lot. No, didn't do, Batman's didn't, barely in it. Barely. And, 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 and Superman only was there to be. Uh, I'm here cause, uh, my presence makes everybody else calmer. Uh, but yeah, right, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know like, what I'm the gonna, fuck to do. I'm going to lead everybody 
but I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, th- and then it was like just very quickly to like Wave Rider extend and like Hal Jordan, which is which again, I, I understand why you had to do that as a, a as right. a writer. But like, it's just so funny to me that there's this big event and the two most popular fucking characters right. some sometimes just worldwide Wonder are Woman's like barely basically fucking absent. Like she's she a, delivers. She yeah. delivers the baby. For, she's a fucking for OBGYN. She's an overpower. And the other thing is, too, is like uh, Captain Adam is like, hey, I have experience with this. And then Wonder Woman's like, no, 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 no. It needs a tender touch. You know, like I was just like, what the fuck am I reading? Yeah, yeah. That that whole thing. I'm I'm sorry. I just I I feel remiss if I didn't mention how like, yes, don't read Zero Hour, but also like the two most. Here's our big crossover event. uh, But the main story, uh, Uh, the big three. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, basically yeah. absent from the book. Yeah, yeah, which which just sounds like it's, you know how that thing where I've I've always heard stories, especially in the '90s, that like whoever the uh, a head editor of the X Men books was like the true editor in chief of Marvel because like they had like wildly had their own, they just had their own and anytime someone was like, hey, can I borrow an X character? No. Can- can I get Wolverine? I just need uh, to boost my numbers. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, it just yeah. seems like, uh, I, hey, uh, Danny O'Neill, I want to do this thing with Batman. Uh, in the, he's like, you can have Batman, um, but you're not allowed to do this, this, or this. When I, I don't want him oh, in this too oh, much. Speaking, of, y- speaking you know. of editorial, they made a video cassette that would that they oh, shipped I to didn't, uh, I didn't listen to that. To, to comic shops, because like comic shops were kind of a new thing in the mid-90s. Like, not necessarily a new thing, but like the the mediums moving away from newspaper into direct, uh, direct market. market. Yeah, direct market and, was the big. Yeah, and so in order to like hype everybody up about Zero Hour, they put together this video, and it's like Hal Jordan as Parallax. It's like a cosplayer, like at a machine, being like, "I'll manipulate time, you bastards!" And like then it's like Denny O'Neill being like, "This is actually really good for Batman." Blah blah blah, and then. And then, uh, you know, how Jordan would be like, ah, you son of a bitch. Like, I'm, I'm going to do what I do. You know? I, it's I got so I, corny and so cheesy. But I got to watch that. We've been doing so much like 90s DC stuff through the podcast that it was kind of nice to see Denny O'Neill and Scott Peterson, like Dan Vincenzo, I think is in it, uh, just chatting about editorial. It was kind of oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sorry, sorry to derail, but I, again, I just would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't point out that like mm-hmm. that big mm-hmm. like oh no 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 you're not allowed to play with the good toys right like right. They, you you can look at them you can Man. look at them but yeah so can we t- can we talk about how the best things about zero hour were not zero hour and was the tie-ins because those yeah. bad books that we covered the detective. Shadow of the Bat and Batman were all really great. Yeah, those were fun. Those were a lot of fun. The Adventures of Superman. So the annual that I talked about in Armageddon 2001, where Superman has a far future with like Maxima, written by Louise Simonson, drawn by Brian Hitch. Louise is still on Adventures of Superman, and she did this absolutely killer issue where Superman goes to Batman to like, figure out like what's going on with time, you know? Yeah. And then encounters multiple Batman that are changing to be different Batman through history. 
So there's this like, oh, yeah. So it's like mullet Superman being like, what should we do? And then it's like 1939 Batman with like gloves and guns. And then like Frank Miller, Batman, and then like Kelly um, Jones, Batman. Yeah. You know, well, like, Kelly Batman from year one. Yeah. 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 yeah there was like yeah. all different through the whole book. They're like changing all the time and their voice changes. Like they get like the sixties Batman, golden age Batman's like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, like, like very hokey, you know? And like, uh, yeah, you know, the Frank Miller one definitely has his own voice as well. You could just yeah. tell that Louise and I, I forgive me. I don't remember who's, who drew it. We're just like having a fucking ball, dude. Like it was so fucking yeah. good. Well, didn't you say Brian Hitch? I thought that was a Brian or was that a different Brian Hitch uh, did the song? annual. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Who oh, did this particular Brian issue. Hitch did the annual. Okay. I, I, I was yeah. that, that, that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, Adventures of Superman number 516. You read the Green Arrow one. Green yeah. Arrow number 90 was oh. excellent, dude. Oh, okay. tell, tell us about Green Arrow number 90. Green Arrow number 90 was a, uh, which I'm sure was really rare in the day, was a pantomime issue. There's no, there's really no words in it. A lot, there's, there's not no. even sound effects. And it's, uh, it's, it's told entirely through, through split screen, really. Yeah. On each page, there's two different timelines. There's a different timeline on top and a different timeline on bottom. And there's subtle differences between the actions that happen within uh, yeah. each each universe. It's it's Green Arrow stopping uh, a gang member and chasing him down after he tries to get away and catching him. Mm-hmm. And then there's mm-hmm. uh, one where the same thing happens, except there's a few subtle differences. And then at the end, when the uh, gang member goes to shoot green arrow in the top timeline he he misses mostly and then the yeah. bottom time just riddled with bullets and he's fucking dead yeah yeah and like, it like it ends with like he's dead and they're like you know like gonna be putting him on the stretcher like it's like grim and then yeah those two timelines converge on top of each other right at the end where yeah. he's like looking at himself murdered by the by the guy he just caught, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then Batman so shows up good. out of a, out of a white light and he's like, we need you. And he's, and yeah. Ollie's just like, get the fuck out of here. All right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> yeah. That issue was so that well was... drawn. So good. So smart. Um, there's a Robin issue where Dick Grayson Robin teams up with Tim Drake Robin, which is like kind of a treat. Uh, there's, there's, tense moments where like dick grayson is like oh you're the one that replaced me and like tim drake's like well there was another robin but yeah let's not get into that don't worry about yeah. that yeah yeah it's, it's kind of like uh it's kind of like the joke of uh of like oh you know this cop needs a new partner like you know this whoever it's like oh you're new you're a new partner what happened to your old one um he uh retired yeah he retired uh, to a farm upstate yeah yeah let's go yeah. with that one let's go with that one I'm trying to remember if there was any others that I that I really the, really loved. I, I didn't. Yeah, the the green the green arrow one uh, I, I loved because again I do love Ollie very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the Batman ones were good. Uh, the Valor I read Valor only because uh, I do adore uh, uh, Kurt Busiek and uh, Colleen Doran as well. Yeah, who I just th- those are just like some automatic like all right like all you know I'll always sure. read, I'll always read a Kurt Busiek like try sure it out. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had Kurt Busiek talk to you on Twitter? Because it is stressful. 
Oh, a couple of times. Well, one one time I made some tweet about like some something should be rebooted into into something else or like maybe like modern updated. And he just was immediately like, no, you're wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> it's and I just I tweeted. But I, I, I don't even think I mentioned I, yeah, it was the I, same I thing. It was it. like I, I, I don't even think I mentioned him or anything. He just jumped in. But the problem, the reason why it's so stressful is like I'll be typing a reply to the first tweet he sent and then he'll send three more tweets after that by the time I'm like done with that first reply. And I'm oh, just yeah. like, I'm trying to communicate with him and he's tweeting so fucking fast that I'm just like, and then I get to this point where I've been like, I've been tweeting with Kurt Brisek for like an hour. I need, I need to like start my day. Like leave me alone, Kurt. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not shocking that like he's that, prolific because he's always been a very prolific writer and it's yeah, like oh yeah. this, oh, oh this, no it makes this, sense it, yeah it's like oh this is how he could have like regularly wrote like 10 fucking books a month for like right eight right. goddamn years like how yeah so it's like oh oh i'm i'm never I gonna get, be on I, that level i get it but at some <laughs> point i need to not be tweeting at kurt buse that's my point <laughs> yeah but he draws you in man draws you in that's why he's <laughs> he so successful you, you know uh, yeah. man how was that valor issue? It was confusing because I had no fucking idea, like who he was, what the <laughs> yeah, hell was right. going on. It's, it's Monel, one of the legionnaires. Yeah, I, I I picked up on that. I, I think he, I think that's the an issue where he finds out that he like turns into a villain. I'm I'm already. It's it's already. It's already like, a blur. I, there's the, the, Jason. This is so. This is so much. So many comics. The this thing, is too many the, comics. The thing that I was telling Nick before, I, I, I forget if we recorded this or not even, but I was just like, you know, he's like, oh, how'd you like Zero Hour? I'm like, Nick, I feel like I'm on drugs. I feel like I'm on yes. a lot of drugs that I took a lot of drugs. Oh, Essentially, like, Valor, yeah, uh, uh, finds out that he turns into the Legion's, like, biggest, like, villain. You know, that oh, he grows right. he into, into... Timekeeper or Time yeah. Trapper? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, tur- he turns into Time Trapper and then like the- it ends in a really bleak way because like there's all this shit going on and all the Legion is like, what the hell is going on? And like Valor's yeah. Time Trapper and like, you know, Valor's uh, uh, wife is like dying and like fading from him. And then like Superboy's all like Superboy and like, but we're the Legion. We can we can get this and just disappears. because it's like he's the wrong timeline or something but it was just such a A great like a lot of these tie-ins um i read a few that were like it would just be like a regular issue and then it would end with everything fading into like a white page yeah which is like impactful and it shows it's like oh it's part of the event but it like doesn't tie in at all it's just like this world got eaten up and you're just like okay yeah but i i but I just really enjoyed the uh, we can do it, gang. And then, boop. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's just a really real, good. It's a real, real Samuel good Jackson eaten by the shark like moment. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Was, it, was real it, good, it Samuel? Was it yeah, Deep cool Blue Sea? I can't remember. No, it was, it was Samuel yeah, Jackson yeah. in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. But it was, it was a real good rug pull. You know, it was a real. Yeah. All right, Jason, we got to close this out because this ah, thing has gone on way, way, way too long. Way Zero too long. hour of crisis in time of how long this fucking podcast is. Am I right? Oh, my God. Am I right?
Jason, how can people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me uh, at uh, on Twitter. I'm still on the Twitter machine at King of Black Acid. Uh, yeah. But also uh, at World Second Finest. That's with uh, World the number two and finest. Uh, I've been. I didn't miss last week. People seem to like my uh, my Britney parody. For yeah, yeah, it was pretty good for for our uh, our episode promotion. But yeah, you can you can reach us there. And where where can people find out your going? Uh, they can find me at a uh, linktree.com slash Nick Phil or uh, Twitter at Nick Phil. Um, you can hop into my Discord. All the links are on the link tree. Yeah, come come check it out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.